News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of the show. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110 are the phone numbers if you want to call and participate. We're going to talk here about Joe Rogan. And um, you probably have heard who the guy is by now, but he does a podcast. That's where a lot of people um, uh, uh, know him from, but also Fear Factor. He was the host of that show, Fear Factor, where people would eat bugs and, you know, repel off of high places. Yeah. Uh, he also was the uh, the engineer maintenance guy at uh, the news radio. I think it was the name of the program, right? News, news radio. Um, I think that was it. Anyway, uh, so he's he's a stand-up comedian, and I've I've watched a couple of his episodes uh, over the years. And he's been doing it for a while. It's like a three-hour podcast, though. Um, interesting conversations every now and again. It's just it's a big commitment. I think he posts them like once or twice a week, something like that. And so, uh, but he's very successful, and he got a very lucrative deal with Spotify uh, back in 2020. And so when they brought him on, there were people that, remember, uh, uh, were opposed to the deal, that were employees of Spotify. They didn't like the deal because uh, of his stand-up routine or something or comments he had made that was not – these comments were not sufficiently woke enough. Uh, By the way, he's a Bernie bro, as I understand it. So he's not exactly a right-winger. But what he does do very well is – he engages with people and asks them questions that I think a lot of people have in their mind to ask. And he's able to get some people in there uh, into the show to ask them these questions. And that's that's his whole jam. He brings people in and they they talk and they they get high and talk seriously. Like, have you seen the the memes of Elon Musk smoking the joint? That's where that came from. So they will go in there, and they were in California. I don't know if they can do it anymore because he moved his whole operation down to Texas. So I guess they can't do that anymore. So it shows you. There we go. So shows you how long it's been since I've watched an episode. Um, but he was on all of the platforms, and then he signed an exclusive deal with Spotify, and they became the uh, the owner of all of the content, right? With an estimated, uh, and so all right. So what had. I brought to you some audio a couple of weeks back of an interview that a doctor gave this guy, uh, Robert Malone, gave on the Joe Rogan podcast. I gave, uh, and I, I think I spent like an hour, maybe two, playing clips out of that interview. And uh, this is what has gotten everybody all upset. And by everybody, I mean basically the left. Um, Neil Young, the musician, demanded Spotify either take down Joe Rogan or remove Neil Young's music from their platform. In other words, him or me gave him an ultimatum. And Spotify said, no more Neil Young music. So I give him credit. But then again, I mean, they spent like $100 million (laughs) to get Rogan. And as I understand it, Neil Young sold his library rights already. So I don't know, whatever. So look, I don't care. The, my only beef on all of this is the left seems very intent on creating a, a parallel society, creating a, a, an America where 
We have uh, one economy for you know your politics and another economy for my politics, and uh, we've got you know musicians that are your politics and my politics, and and this is a fairly new phenomenon. Like it it it's in my lifetime. Like I. I don't have any problem. Like, I, like I don't know if I would actually go back and now start listening to Neil Young. I don't care. There, like, he's got like three songs that I like. That's it. Okay, like three songs. So I've never been a huge Neil Young fan. Okay, so this doesn't really apply. But I'm trying to think of bands and, and artists that uh, you know I really would. But here's a good example: Billy Joel. I grew up on Long Island, and uh, it is uh, when you're born there, it they they give you the gene that you have to be a Billy Joel fan. So it's not really even my fault, okay? So I grew up listening to Billy Joel, saw him in concert uh, multiple times, owned all of his albums through, I think, Stormfront album. I don't even remember. But eventually, I, you know, he, he kept producing more albums, but I stopped buying them. And I know what his politics are. They're not mine, but I know what his politics are. I don't care. If you make good content, I'm going to appreciate the good content, Right? It's like a comedian. I don't have to agree with everything a comedian does on the stage, but I can appreciate a good act. And when the jokes land, they land. And it doesn't matter if you're making a joke at my expense or you're making a joke at somebody else's expense or a joke about whatever. So I think a lot of people on the right have been dealing with this and essentially putting up with this for a very, very long time. But now it's moved into a different area where, you know, you will be made to care about certain topics and issues. And if you don't care sufficiently about the things that certain segments of the society care about, then you don't have a place anymore. And my concern is the creation of a parallel economy, a parallel culture, a parallel society where everyone stays off to their sides in their own little echo chambers and you never uh, have to cross over. Because uh, like that's a, th- that is very much an us versus them kind of siege mentality, I think, that takes hold after that. And so what they're trying to do with Rogan, and Rogan of all people, that's, I mean, that to me is like sort of the, the, the irony here. And I think part of it is that like a lot of people on the right, they, they, they're not trying to placate folks on the left any longer like that i think that that ship has sailed so you know you come after somebody to cancel them on the right and i think people on the right just don't care but people on the left are still susceptible to this and so that's who now they're eating um as we predicted they would right the whole point of the axiom that if you feed the alligator in the hope that it eats you last you still get eaten you may get eaten last but you still get eaten so now spotify says it's removing Neil Young's music, and I think also Joni Mitchell, right, I think? And then I saw a tweet from Barry Manilow that he had to put out a statement saying that 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 was a rumor, that it's not his library being taken down. And that's when I was like, oh, thank goodness. But um, (laughs) I'm fine with Barry. I grew up, mom and dad listened to Barry Manilow. I listened to some, I know some of his songs. He's got, like, one song that I would listen to and not gouge my eyeballs out. Anyway, the famed singer-songwriter Neil Young said he would not share the platform with podcaster Joe Rogan. Does he have the right to say that? He absolutely does. If he doesn't want to be put up on some platform with somebody else, he has the right to do that. 
Guess who else has the right to do that? Literally every other artist. So this is what I mean. You want to create a parallel society, this is how you go about doing it. Because when the right starts adopting this same standard, you're not going to have access to that audience either. Like, that's how that works, too. I'm not sure folks have thought this all the way through. But maybe they have. Maybe they don't care. All right, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Spotify says that it will take down Neil Young's music after the famed singer-songwriter said that he would not share the platform with podcaster Joe Rogan. They can have Rogan or Young, but not both, said the 76-year-old musician in an open letter to his manager and record label that was posted to his Neil Young Archives website. Um... A Spotify spokesperson said that uh, in an email, the statement that the company agreed to remove Young's work, Spotify said it regrets his decision but hopes to welcome him back soon. We want all the world's music and audio content to be available to Spotify users. With that comes great responsibility in balancing both safety for listeners and freedom for creators. We have detailed content policies in place, and we have removed over 20,000 podcast episodes related to COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. It's never enough, by the way. See, that's another example. You're never woke enough. It's never enough. With an estimated 11 million listeners per episode, the Joe Rogan Experience, which is hosted exclusively on Spotify, has tremendous influence, Neil Young said. Spotify has a responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform. Rogan, this is, by the way, the NBC report, Rogan, known for his contrarian and often baseless views on medicine, there's a little bit of uh, opinion there in NBC, uh, has faced widespread backlash for questioning vaccine safety during the pandemic. Has it been widespread? I don't think it's been widespread. I think it's been from one direction. Um, he signed a deal with Spotify in 2020, could earn him $100 million depending on performance. Um, so Joe Rogan put out a uh, video. In response to all of this, and a couple of things, I'm going to give you a couple of clips. Uh, I think it was like a nine or ten minute video total, uh, but I've got uh, a couple short segments here, short clips. Um, the longest is the first one here, uh, where he sort of starts off by saying he wanted to address the controversy, and he started off by thanking uh, you know people that have been supportive of it. First of all, to say thank you to everyone that sent love and support. I truly, truly appreciate it, and it's been very nice to hear from you. I wanted to make this video, first of all, because I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what I do, maybe based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. Um, the podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation, specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. 
Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular, uh, they, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah, dangerous misinformation in them. It's nuts. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now, that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Right. That's it. That's all he's ever done. That's the whole show. He just sits down. He used to get high with them, and then they would talk. That was the whole show. Like I don't understand. I mean, yes, there are people that are going to watch that and think, wow, this guy, I like what he has to say. I like the cut of his jib, whatever that means. Like that, that is, of course, going to happen. That's going to happen, though, with any program, anytime you bring somebody on. It's one of the things, like, I, I book guests, I have guests come on, and then I get people sometimes who complain, like, why did you have that person on? I think that they're, you know, uh, they're just full of horse hockey. And I'm like, well, you were able to determine that. Right? You figured that out. So what, you think that other people aren't as smart as you, and they're not going to be able to figure it out, right? That someone's going to come on, and they're going to be uh, they're saying, uh, saying things, and, and you know, I'm playing audio clips, same thing happens there. Like, why are you playing this clip of this person? Well, don't you want to hear what their argument is? I do. And then when I hear it, I can make a determination for myself. There's There certainly is... A lot of times there's like this sort of, uh, I don't know, authoritarian undertone to some of this, which is, I'm smart enough, you're not, so I'm going to make sure you can't have access to that interview or that thought. And, and that's, I, I don't think that, I don't think that is an effective way to persuade people uh, or to combat bad ideas. I just don't. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, going over this Joe Rogan Spotify story. Again, this is uh, just another example in a growing list. There's now uh, Georgetown Law going after Ilya Shapiro over some tweet. Uh, they've suspended him uh, after uh, a left-wing slate writer. Uh, don't call them journalists over there, uh, uh, whipped up an online mob to get him uh, suspended. And now he's claiming, oh, I didn't do that. Right. This this cancel culture, these attacks, um, they're going to continue until people say we're not going to engage in this. I don't, as mentioned earlier, like with the COVID stuff, I don't see an off ramp, though. I don't see an off ramp. And 
you are free to not listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. If he interviews somebody that you don't like, you are free to not listen. You are free to not listen to this show if I interview somebody you don't like. If I have one opinion that you don't like and you're like, I'm never listening again, you are free to do so. I'm a lowercase libertarian. I'm not going to try to force you to do that. Not going to force you to do something against your will. The difference is I'm not going to try to get you banned because you had a guest on that I didn't like. Right? Because then what happens? You end up with, we, would, we will end up with, a, with parallel societies. If this permeates in all areas, because you're never going to be woke enough and you're never going to have every single correct opinion, even if you try to kowtow to only one side. Even when trying to do that, you're, you're going to run afoul of some subgroup. It's going to happen. So you're going to carry a product, you're going to offer a service, you're going to have an employee who says something or doesn't say something or whatever. So here is uh, Rogan, he, uh, Joe Rogan. He put out a, a, a brief statement over the weekend over all of this when Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, they were like, you know, take my music off of Spotify because he's killing people because he talked to Robert Malone and uh, Peter McCullough, who are two of the leading voices uh, in you know going up against sort of the 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 health bureaucracy, these institutions, and countering some of their narratives and questioning some of the science and data, which are not allowed to do, not allowed to do, even though that's kind of sciency, but you're not allowed to do that. Not in today's day and age. So he says, look, he makes mistakes, Joe Rogan does. Of course he does. He's a human being. But he tries to correct him when he does because he says he is interested in the truth. And I'm interested in having interesting conversations with people that have differing opinions. Um, I'm not interested in only talking to people that uh, have one perspective. That's one of the reasons why I had Sanjay Gupta on, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who I respect very much, and I really enjoyed our conversation together. He has a different opinion than those men do. I had Dr. Dr. Michael Osterholm on at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, he is on President Biden's COVID-19 advisory board. I had uh, Dr. Peter Hotez on, who is uh, a vaccine expert. I'm interested in finding out what is correct and find, I'm also finding out how people come to these conclusions and what the facts are. Right. So in other words, he's reasonable. This is the problem. This is the problem. When you are reasonable, like I, I can disagree with friends. I have my closest friends generally are on the left. I disagree with them about a lot of stuff, but I'm okay with that. And we have discussions and I can have discussions because I... I asked them, you know, how you come to your conclusions and opinions, and we exchange the, you know, these uh, kinds of arguments and our philosophies and stuff. But we're interested in having the conversation. That's the purpose: is you learn about the issue, you learn about the other person. That's Rogan's problem here. He's reasonable. All right, he says he is sorry to hear that Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Um, are you know wanted their music off he's sorry that spotify got put in that position and now spotify says they're going to put like a warning label on it because 
Well, I mean, it really is like it's like the cigarette smoking thing. As soon as they put the warnings on the packs, then everybody was like, oh, my gosh, these things are bad for you. So uh, he says he's sorry to hear about that, but he does support the warning label going on the podcast when he's talking about controversial topics. If there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. And uh, I would like to talk to some people that have uh, differing opinions on those podcasts in the future. We'll see. Um, you know, I do all the scheduling myself, and uh, I don't always get it right. This, these podcasts are very strange because they're just conversations. And oftentimes I have no idea what I'm going to talk about until I sit down and talk to people. And that's why some of my ideas are not that prepared or fleshed out because I'm literally having them in real time. Um, but I do my best and they're just conversations. And I think that's also the appeal of the show. It's one of the things that makes it interesting. Um, so, uh, I want to thank Spotify for being so supportive during this time. Uh, and I'm very sorry that this is happening to them and that they're taking so much heat from it. All right. So, uh, I, this is just my, uh, my advice would be show prep, <laughs> more show prep, do more show prep. I understand if you got a formula, you think it works, you're like, okay, podcast has been, you know, going gangbusters, obviously. So uh, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. But as you got a bigger audience, now you have a bigger responsibility. And yeah, show prep, man. You got to do more show prep. I was kind of surprised to hear that, that he doesn't, that like on the one hand, I get it. But on the other hand, it's like, that's just not me. That is not me. I over prep. I always have two hours of prep for one hour on air. And so I always have more prep than I ever get to because I never want to be left without prep. Um, but especially for interviews, you, I mean, you got you to gotta know something about the material, right? But then again, if I had three hours, I could just ask them to kind of go on and on and on. But then how do you know that they're telling you the truth on, like, on all things, you know? Like that's – anyway, let me jump over here to Chris. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, good. What's up? I just, I, I love Neil Young, but I think he probably needs to wake up and realize he's not as relevant as Joe Rogan right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I agree. Uh, he's not as relevant now. And he's making, and, and he's making Rogan's show even more popular. How many people, particularly Neil Young, uh, of Neil Young's generation, the boomer generation, how many of them have now heard the name Joe Rogan and right. never heard of it before. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's like, right it's on, the right old, yeah, all right, Chris, I appreciate the call. It's like the old adage, you know, just no no publicities, bad publicity. Although I disagree with that there. You can have bad publicity. I've seen it, for real. I have seen bad publicity. I don't think this counts as bad publicity for Rogan. Um, I do find it a little disturbing, sort of the... The joining of the boomers with the Gen Zs and millennials on this for the, yeah, for like the, for the censorship, for the censorious approach. That's kind of disturbing. But yet again, another piece of evidence that Gen X is the best gen. Again, I'm not trying to promote misinformation. I'm not trying to be controversial. I've, I've never tried to do anything with this podcast other than just talk to people and have interesting conversations. I didn't plan it. I can't believe it's as successful as it is. It was never uh, really an idea. 
that I had. I, I the the podcast started off as just f-ing around with my friends and having fun and talking, and then when it became popular, other people wanted to come on, and I was like, oh. It'd be cool to talk to that person. Oh, he's interesting. Oh, she's got a cool book out. And then, boom, it's become what it is today, which is like some out-of-control juggernaut that I barely have control of. So my pledge to you is that I will do my best to try to balance out these more controversial viewpoints with other people's perspectives so we can maybe find a better point of view. I don't want to just show the the contrary opinion to what the narrative is. I want to show all kinds of opinions so that we can all figure out what's going on, and, and not just about COVID, about everything, about health, about fitness, wellness, the, the state of the world itself. All right, so that's Joe Rogan in a uh, video statement that he put out uh, over the weekend in light of the backlash from Neil Young and... Um, Joni Mitchell, who said, take our music off of Spotify as long as you got Joe Rogan on. So Spotify did. But they also said, we're going to slap a warning on all of the, um, uh, the the podcasts that deal with controversial subjects or whatever, like, uh, hey, you know, get information by going to CDC or whatever. Which, yeah, to Rogan's point, a year ago, some of the stuff that the CDC says now would have been labeled as misinformation back then. But that's where we are. Keith, welcome to the program. Hello, Keith. What's going on? Hi, I just wanted to call and weigh in. I just recently, uh, just recently started listening to uh, Joe Rogan's podcasts on uh, on YouTube, and it's literally like a three hour conversation with interesting people. It's not contentious. Uh, the guy seems to be very well read. I'm a baby boomer. Um, He's had people from the. He has a. He has an interview with Bernie Sanders, one with Bill Maher. He's on there with nasty right winger types, and they never ever seem to devolve into name calling. Or I was listening to one while I was driving today with uh, uh, what's his name, Ron White, the comedian that came out right after the pandemic shut down, and he's railing against you know the misinformation stuff they were talking about. I've listened to some since then where he's like, you know, this turned out to be wrong. That turned out to be wrong. He's just, he's having a conversation, right. which is sorely lacking in this society. I think also the format, a three-hour no commercial format lends itself to the kinds of conversations that don't devolve into craziness. Because you know you're in there for three hours, and if you... You know, if you, you don't want to storm out, I don't think as a guest, and you recognize the, the value of the platform. There's a lot of people that are going to watch this, and so you don't want to be the jerk that, you know, flips the table over. Or maybe you do, but I don't. I, I think for the most part, I think that, that format helps keep it um, the, sort of civil. The level of amicable treatment of each other on that thing. I always just thought of Joe Rogan as some UFC fighter jock. I thought he's probably dumb as a tater tot. <laughs> I knew he was a com- I knew he was a comedian. But um no, I mean I like reading books and he's read he was having a conversation about the Gulag archipelago by Solzhenitsyn the other day with uh Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. I mean this is not low brow stuff. Right. And if Joni Mitchell and and Neil Young don't like it, well, don't listen. Right. 
Yeah, if you don't want your music to exist on the same platform as somebody that you don't like, then uh, then that's your option, I guess. Uh, more power to you. Good luck. But again, I my concern is the parallel societies and cultures. Keith, I appreciate the call, sir. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, take care. Let me go over here to Adam. Hello, Adam. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, Keith. All right, Keith. Hey, <laughs> hey. Was... How's it going? Uh, right. I wanted to. My, my wife wanted me to call in and, and share this comment. Um, two things. One, I think Joe is um, handled this really, really well, and probably more graciously and magnanimously than I would have in his place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was thing number one. But number two, the only thing that I disagree with about the about what he's saying is the the how how willing he is to have the disclaimer put on his show, and the reason is by putting a disclaimer on that, oh, the opinions expressed by this guest are not the consensus of the science and data, then what it does is it really undermines the whole point of having a dissident voice on there. Because if there are leading researchers and doctors like Robert Malone or Peter McCullough or Vinay Prasad or Jay Bhattacharya, mm-hmm. people like that, if they're sitting there saying, hey, wait a minute, not all of the data agrees with the narrative, and we don't know what the longer-term consequences of some of these vaccines are going to be, and the risk is stratified over age so that you don't need to mandate this for kids. If we see the idea that that's not the consensus, then then it undermines everything, because if you have I don't think so. like this saying these things, then there is no consensus. Right. So I don't th- So first off, I think it actually does. Uh, it does provide a benefit in that you want the people who have been parading around as the standard bearers of consensus, as the standard setters, you want them to be married to their standards, right? I don't want them to be able to kind of like, uh, uh, you know, melt off into the background and not be held responsible for advancing the policies they advanced. Mm. Right. And so by so holding up others as gonna dissidents, say, if we're going to put this opinion on them, then they need to take a stand and be married to that and say, OK, this is my position. So when they're pointed out as being wrong later, they mm-hmm. have to own it. Right. So if you if you put the oh. disclaimer up there, it says these are dissident views, then and they turn out to be correct, just like Galileo. Right. Uh, you get held up and like he was bucking the trend. He was against the consensus and they were wrong. So, uh, which is a warning in and of itself to future generations and in other areas that just because a majority of people think a certain way, it doesn't make them right. So I, I don't mind the I'll, yeah I don't I'll mind have the to label. Tell my wife, you said that she wanted to know what you would think. Yeah. So I and and look, I mean, there's probably an, a layer in there too, which is Spotify has to quote do something, and this is a way that they get to do something. Joe Rogan doesn't object. It's seen as sort of uh, a guardrail that they constructed in this scenario. So I, you know, may, well, maybe it's a face. The PR save. part of it wasn't lost on me, but uh, yeah, I, exactly. I hadn't thought about making the. Uh, the consensus makers own their consensus when their consensus turns out to be wrong later. Right. And then if they take the labels off, right, at some point in the future, do they take the labels off or do they change the labels, thereby giving more credibility and credence to what Rogan said, which is eight months ago, some of these things you couldn't say are now widely accepted. So like the 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 warning label is, I mean, it, it's actually confirming and supporting his own argument to some degree. So, uh, hey, I appreciate the call, Adam. Thanks so much. Good points.
and Keith as well. Thank you. Um, yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, the first point uh, that uh, Adam mentioned there is that I think Rogan did handle it very, very well uh, from a just a, a PR standpoint. He handled it well. He did a good video, and uh, I know people that that hate him and are opposed on the COVID stuff. They're not going to listen. But look, he also made a point that he thanked even the haters because they raised some questions and it makes you self-assess and that's healthy. All right. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.